Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hey, Brett. Hi, Brett. Did I say hi. that prematurely? Hi, Jeff. Did I say hi too early? I think you might have. All right. Well, that's hi. our premature hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just stay away from Just that leave one. that there. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. Good are you? back. I was away. Yeah. I'm back. So we're yeah. going to have a special pod about Jeff's vacation and what he did. All right. I'm ready for that one. All right. Well, we have a great, wonderful, special guest today. His name is Grant Gusson. Grant is the owner and operator of six lime fresh Mexican grill restaurants here in Miami, officially Miami-Dade County, right? Not city of Miami. Correct. He opened his first location 13 years ago in downtown Dadeland and has opened six more locations since then. As a franchisee, we've closed one. Oh, you oh. get the math. Oh, he's already, see, he's already, see, he had one, he added six, and then you closed one. Correct. Total. Right, so he has, so he has five locations currently. No, six. six. You had seven. Open seven. We've Thanks. closed one. There you go. So that's seven minus one, six. There we go. There, there you go. go. All right. Well, I'm, a, I'm just a lawyer. Uh, I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> I was podcast. told there'd be no math. <laughs> I have a calculator for that. There you, go. you guys interrupted my introduction. I'm just going to say that Grant, as a franchisee, oversees all operations of each location. And he takes a hands-on approach in running each store. Look, he's laughing because he's going to intervene and say, no, I don't. He was able to keep each location open and profitable throughout covid when restaurants nationwide were faced with insurmountable challenges. Since opening its doors for the first time, Lime has employed over 500 people throughout his various locations. And Grant and I know his family support many community projects, schools, charities, and numerous sports teams throughout fundraising efforts and sponsorships, or through fundraising events and sponsorships. I didn't know reading was also something that was required. required I thought you were doing this from memory. Grant, Uh, a little bit. Grant attended uh, undergraduate at the quote-unquote real Miami in Oxford, Ohio, where he studied international studies in Spanish. Grant then attended law school and received his JD from Chicago Kent School of Law. He moved down here to Miami, took the bar exam, moved to Miami, started his professional career at Deloitte & Touche, specialized in employee benefits with an emphasis on ERISA laws. After Deloitte, he worked at KPMG, focused in the areas of international tax and real estate tax. He then went on to open the office for Syndicated Equities, a Chicago-based real estate investment firm, where he used his experience in real estate taxation to help his clients understand and complete Syndicated Equities' unique approach to 1031 exchanges. These job experiences lent Grant to want to start his own business. And after exploring various avenues, he was approached with an opportunity to meet with Lime's then-owner to discuss the possibility of opening a franchise. While never... Tr- is this true? Is this true? Am I reading? So far, so good. All right, all right. Let me know when I all true. cross the line. Yeah, no, While never truly believing he would venture down this path, Grant was excited about Lime and believed running a franchise would allow him to utilize his vast knowledge of real estate, contract negotiation, corporate taxation, alongside newly developing skills needed to run a restaurant, like learning how to cook a quesadilla, right? The most important. Right. In 2010, Grant selected the first location of his Lime franchise's downtown Dadeland, which was then a risky decision based on the often tenuous success rate of restaurants in that area. In fact, I have it on good authority that you were bet, yeah. that you placed a bet or somebody bet you that you would close within a year. Is that true? It's true. And I hope you cashed in on that bet because now you're in, this says 14 years. Is it 13 or 14? We are just beginning our 14th year. Okay. So you're 14 years. Correct. Okay. When Grant is not rolling burritos or flipping quesadillas, 
or drinking his frozen margaritas, which I have on high authority, are very good. He can be found on a tennis or pickleball court, watching his beloved Chicago Bears, White Sox, and Bulls, hanging out with his puppy, Roxy. Love Roxy. Yeah. And spending time with his wife and three wonderful children. You should throw in a, I love them too. Just to. Just, yeah. Because if, the if they listen. If they listen, they're going to love you guys. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All of you. Welcome, Grant Gusson. Thank you. That was some intro. Thank you to Mary, my wife, for helping draft that, but also reading that entire thing to help warm up the crowd. I appreciate it. It's an impressive story. It really is. It really is. In fact, I'm not sure we even need a podcast after. We just, we covered everything. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. All right. So you go to law school, like yep. all your peers, and then yep. you somehow come to operate Never practice Mexican law, really. restaurants. So right. Right. Correct. tell us how does a lawyer become <laughs> sure. a restaurateur? So taking it back, I moved down here to Miami from Chicago in summer of 2000. Yeah, did you, I want to interrupt you there. Yep. Did you have a Miami connection at that point? I mean, so, other than you went to school in Miami of, Miami of Ohio. So Mary, my wife that you guys both know, she is from here. We met on a study abroad program in our junior year of college mm-hmm. in Sevilla, Spain. She went to Michigan. I went to Miami, Ohio. Again, never thought it would work that we'd stay together, but the schools were only a few hours apart. Senior year, we managed to stay together. Mm-hmm. I decided to go right to law school after college in Chicago. Mary took a year off, moved to Chicago, then decided she wanted to go to law school. Came back home, went to UM. So we had a couple years overlapping. I decided when I graduated that if this was going to work, I was going to move down here, really not thinking that I would still be here. 23 years later, Hmm. figured I'd come work, hang out for a year, and we'd move back to Chicago. Well, I realized she is one of four the only girl, very difficult to get her to move away from the family. And listen, there are plenty of worse places to be. So here we are 23 years later. But in answer to your question, how did this all start? My first couple of jobs were at accounting firms, Mm -hmm. basically doing what I'd be doing at a law firm, but just under that umbrella. Then I left to start a Miami branch of a Chicago-based real estate investment firm that you mentioned, Syndicated Equities. I had worked for them during my third year of law school. The principal and founder is a family friend. I knew that Miami was always a good opportunity for them to have an office. We had a lot of investors down here, ripe and fertile ground for the properties that we looked for and purchased. And I did that for about seven years. And the truth is, I always thought that I would break off and do my own kind of real estate investment thing. Mm, Just plenty of time, plenty of experience learning. But if you guys remember, in 2008, 2009, wasn't the greatest time real estate-wise. Right. So, Unless you were an insolvency lawyer. <laughs> well, for you guys. Which is, it was a good time yeah, for us. Good time or for you, you had a ton of capital. Correct. And runway, right. and could buy distressed properties. and Absolutely. Right. Which was not what right. I was trained in, not what we were doing. Exactly. Additionally, what I came to realize was that the majority of our investors at the time mm-hmm. were not necessarily investing as much in the actual property and the deal at hand as they were with our founder and the, his track record. And if he was going to put his own money into it, then it was good enough for somebody else. So right. with all of those things in mind, the timing was kind of right to start looking for something else to do. Right. And I, again, never in a million years would have considered the restaurant industry We were looking at some businesses to buy, existing businesses. One of the ones we went down the road on was a, it was a floral supply distribution company that did everything but flowers. So they had some good contracts with Whole Foods, with Publix to sell vases, 
arrangements, whatever it was that mm-hmm. goes along with it. But so this is while you're at syndicated equities. I'm, you're I'm looking. I'm for, looking for, yes, looking. You're for looking for your own thing at this point, or you're looking for correct. I was work. looking to make a move to do okay. something different. Okay. So we went down the road on that, and I could never get comfortable with the due diligence. This was a mom and pop operation that had been doing their books by hand for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I was the gringo coming in and all of their relationships were with whoever they were at the different companies. And we could have come in and we could have been gone the next day because they would have moved on to somebody else. It, it, it wasn't going to work. Anyway, one day, one of our friends, Sal Janay, I think you mm-hmm. guys both yeah, know well. We know Sal, sure. yeah. Sal said to me, hey, I know you're looking to do something new. Have you ever thought about Lime? I said, what, the restaurant? He said, yeah. I said, what are you, insane? I'm not going into the restaurant industry. (laughs) The extent of my restaurant experience was either eating at one or delivering pizzas, I think, when I was 17 for a summer. And I knew the restaurant. When it opened in 04, the original, Mary and I lived on the beach, and we would eat there two, three times a week. So I loved it, but I said, you're nuts, and kind of just summarily dismissed it. And then a few weeks later, By the way, the reason that he had suggested it was his good family friend was one of the two franchisees at the time Mm -hmm. and knew that they were doing well and looking to expand. I said, no, thank you. So a few weeks later, we were at a birthday party of a friend's kid and somebody else that I know, purely coincidental, said to me, knew I'd been looking, said, you ever thought about Lyme? I said, that's so weird. Why are you saying that to me? I said, well, my business partner is one of the two franchisees, the other one, he and his brother-in-law, and knew that Lyme was looking. And Steve, my friend who mentioned it to me, was doing some financial work for the original franchisor and founder Mm -hmm. at the time. I said, all right, the world's trying to tell me something. Why don't I go have a conversation? It's at least worth that. So I will never forget, I walked into the store in North Miami and I met him for the first time. And he looked at me and looked at my resume. He says, wait a minute, you've never worked in the restaurant industry before? You know, get the hell out of here. I'm like, well, hold on. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but my personality is if someone tells me you can't do something, I want to yeah. try and see if I can. It. Yeah, right. yeah, it amps it up a bit, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what are you doing here? You're, you're serving tacos? How hard is this? You know, jokingly. But I ended up doing a few work days in the kitchen, doing everything that we do on a daily basis, which is... Prepping, cooking, cleaning, serving, all of it. Now, is that the standard first step in acquiring a franchise? Or was this a test design for you and your I, unique legally based <laughs> resume? Or? I think it was probably a little of both. Look, I think they need to be comfortable with me. I need to be comfortable with, yeah, sure. with the operations. And this is something that I really want to do. So I did a couple of work days and I said, I can do this. I mean, the reality is I'm not the one doing all the prep every day. Right. Of course. However, got to know how to do everything. And we took a major, major chance, an educated guess, and decided, let's do this. And next thing you know, we signed a franchise agreement, and here we are 13 plus years later. Now, you keep using we. Is that a royal we? Who is we? When you say we, um, sorry, chance, just is myself, just you? basically. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean again, the whole family's affected, right, of course. Right. Yes, I have partners, my in-laws, okay. and, and who are the best. And right. we made a decision that this is something that we want to try. And it was an educated guess. Look, at the right. time, the world was moving in the direction of fast casual in the restaurant industry. And we also knew the Mexican is never going to go out of style. We were at a good price. Lime's at a good price point where whether it's a nice night out for a family of four on a Saturday or just a casual happy hour on a Monday afternoon between coworkers or friends, as long as we do things the right way, we should be around forever. You know, our product is fresh. Our model is based on service, service, service. You do a little bit more in the customer service world. 
down here especially, it goes a really long way. And so, again, it was an investment model, but believed in it. Yeah, so, I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but just diving right into what you just said, which is the staying power, how do you prevent the sort of the slippage, right? Because we've all seen restaurants that we thought, oh, this is a great restaurant, really good, we'll go there, we'll do it. And then you start going and the food starts to slip a bit, it's not as clean, the customer service isn't as good. So how do you deal with that? It's really difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is really one of the bigger challenges. I mean, again, the other part of that too, one more thing I would throw in there since we opened is the competition too. Sure. So many, whether it's here, whether it's anywhere in the country, at the time, Lime was really one of the only fast casual Mexican restaurants in town. Mm-hmm. Now they're almost on every corner. So our job was really, and still is, to build fans. We talk about building kind of raving fans that love us. And one of the keys is while we are a brand, not a huge brand, but it's a brand, my instruction to my staff is you have to treat your store like a neighborhood mom and pop. You know, you have to know your guests. You have to know their order for your regulars before they even present it to you at the register or over the phone if you recognize who's ever calling. And I think that between keeping your standards high, your food fresh, and your customer service at its highest level, that's kind of how we've achieved our longevity. That being said, I think that there is a real opportunity for us to return to a little bit more relevance, which we are kind of in the process of. As I said, you know, there's a lot of competition out there. And so you're fighting for everyone's dollar attention, whatever you want to phrase it. Right. right. And so later this year, we are doing a kind of a menu revision. Mm -hmm. So adding, changing about 50% of our menu, updating, making it better, keep all the classics. But, you know, there's certain things we have to do from time to time to make sure that we stay Again, relevant is the word that I like to use. Yeah, I would imagine that when new restaurants open, whether it's in your area or or surrounding areas of any particular location, that that's the new thing. It's the shiny object. People go there, but you want to have something that pulls them back, right? 100%. And the neighborhood feel and the food and the customer, you know, that goes a long way. Absolutely. And I would say that the best example of that is probably my original store at Downtown Dadeland, where it has been there for 13 years. We've been there for 13 years, but... You guys know the center. Yep. You certainly do. Yep. So many people have come and gone. Yeah. So many over the years. And we see it every time somebody new opens. You know, we'll dip for a couple of weeks, but assume because everybody, like you said, wants to go try the shiny new toy and see what it's all about. Right. They inevitably, hopefully, continue to come back afterwards. And so I think that's a testament to my staff and their job that they do and mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, I would say that it's got to be a rarity to think that a franchise location of a well-known sort of brand treats each location as sort of neighborhoody, right? You know, the idea would be, well, efficiencies. So let's, everything's got to be cookie cutter and the same, and but it's not always that way. It's not. It shouldn't be anyway. No, it shouldn't. I mean, again, I think one of the things that has allowed us to have our success is that special yeah. treatment. And that's my direct message to my staff from the top down, whether it's my area director that helps me run all the stores mm-hmm. or the general managers, managers in the stores, or even our, just our, all of our employees that are there making it happen every day. It's every day we wake up, the machine's got to start, and hopefully we can continue to keep people happy. Well, we're screaming fans, loyalists, <laughs> and I can attest to the fact that it is neighborhoody and people that work there do remember you and know you and, and see you coming. Yeah. 
In fact, when you walked in the office, a couple of people were like, oh, I know him. Uh, people <laughs> yeah. in the office uh, right? recognized yeah, you uh, immediately. And, yep. and Grant did grace us and grace the office with some treats today. And <laughs> when people knew you were coming, the first question I got was, is he bringing queso? Like they, <laughs> like they know. They know. And Hopefully did. they're happy. And the, oh, yeah, they're happy. So Grant, how has your legal background come in handy in the restaurant industry? Or has it? It has. It's a good question. And just taking a step back, I, again, if you would have told me in 1997 to 2000 when I was in law school that this is what I'd be doing, <laughs> I would have said you're out of your mind. Right, I mean, yeah. this is insane. I wouldn't yeah. even consider this. However, there are so many avenues, whether it is... We're looking for new locations. So now we have to find and execute a lease for that location. So I don't represent myself. Certainly we'll have representation, but I know enough to know what I'm looking for and what makes sense and what doesn't, whether we are negotiating contracts with any of our vendors. But in addition, as I'm sure you guys are aware, when you're the employer and you have this many employees, we are bound to be subject to plenty of lawsuits. And so navigating some of those, whether it's discrimination, whether it's food poisoning, whatever it could be, it just the legal education comes into play probably more often than you would think. But most importantly, I think the biggest thing that I got out of law school, and you guys may or may not agree, is just the ability to communicate. And whether it's writing, speaking, however it plays out, I think has been invaluable, certainly. I mean, I'm in the restaurants talking to people all day, and it's basically what I do. Um, right. It's sales, you know, at the end of the day. You know, knowing what you know now, would you still go to law school? hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No oh, question. Okay. No Again, I think it's it's the education. And I think that it opens doors and certainly helps. Allows you to think critically, hopefully through some of these challenging situations where without that education, I mean maybe you may be able to solve it or not. Yeah. 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 We also say, Brett and I I'll, always have. I'll ask you that question. What's that? <laughs> Jeff. That's a good question. What, why, you know, what does my, does my legal background help me in no, my career? No, 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 no. I wasn't going to ask you that one. If you could do it all over again, would you go through law school again? Uh, that's a whole another. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole different episode. We're gonna, we're gonna, I got to ask him before he yeah, asked me. Exactly. Uh, we'll do another podcast on that. Yeah, one of the things Brett and I talk about often, because when we're hiring, we love seeing restaurant that restaurant experience on a resume because to me it teaches, or to us, I guess we've talked about like the just hustle and the idea of always doing full hands in, full hands out. And I always taught that in, in the restaurant business is like you're always, you should always be doing something, Absolutely. helping in some way. Absolutely. And people who work in restaurants or have have a lot of experience in restaurants seem to get that that concept or those that did well in restaurants, I should say. Yeah. Additionally, I think it just exposes you to a ton of diversity that you may not get in other jobs growing up. You have people coming from all walks of life right. in the hospitality world, you know, particularly sure. restaurants. And certainly our kids, you know, I know that Dylan worked with us for mm-hmm. a little while, Brett's son at my store in Midtown. And the stories that he has, he probably would not have gotten in many of other many other places. In addition to waking him up to become quite the experience, quite the experience, yes. But hopefully, you know, all positive, and it's turned him on to wanting to become a hundred percent explore the culinary world. No, the experience was fantastic. The opportunity was great, and yes, he's continued to want to go back into that field. And he, you know, every time he goes and gets a job, that's what he wants to do. It's been great to me. The other reason to add to what Jeff said about wanting to see restaurants on resumes, it's customer service, right? And it's learning how communication is a big part of it, but it's also reading people, reading the situation, figuring out how to get them what they need, right? And, And that's a lot of what we do. 
And so if you've worked in a restaurant and obviously for a while or successfully, then you know how to do that or you've learned those skills no matter what age. I know I did. I bust tables, you know, it was, was it fun? No, no, <laughs> it was not, but it was great experience Absolutely. in dealing with that stuff. So I definitely like to see that too. I know there's been, obviously there's a lot of challenges and ebbs and flows with, you know, different factors, economic, and now you've got, obviously COVID was a significant challenge for you guys. There's also the challenge of with employees, right? And not having enough, or maybe they're, you know, with inflation and cost. What changes have you seen in that environment since you've been in business? And, you know, how have you had to try to navigate that? It's the hardest thing that we do is the people yeah. and the labor. And I was warned going in that it's always going to be the hardest. And without knowing it and doing it, you don't really understand it until you're in it. And whether it was on day one, hiring for the first store and trying to think that every single person that we hire has to be the absolute perfect fit without understanding enough about teaching and training and molding them to what we need to navigating COVID when a lot of our employee or the pool that we or the pond that we fish in to find our employees were sitting on the sidelines or leaving the hospitality industry. And it was really challenging even to today. It's a constant puzzle that we're trying to put together. And fortunately, today we are in a much better place than we were a few years ago. Not perfect. It's still a challenge to find, not just find, but retain. The retention is really challenging, especially in Miami, which is right. certainly as transient as any city around. And so the people are coming, they're going. And to have people that have stuck with us for the amount of time that some of them had is really one of the things that I'm most proud of. Because at all of our stores, we have, whether it's management or our hourlies that mm. have been with Lime and with us for this long makes me really happy that we're doing something the right way, treating them well, providing a good work environment for them, good opportunities, but it is certainly a challenge, always. Well, that's a testament, obviously, to you and the organization overall. But in terms of the stores, I mean, and you mentioned management, you need to find people you can rely on that are loyal, that are trustworthy. Absolutely. Because you can't be in every location all the time. It's really challenging. I would yeah. say the biggest difference and the biggest challenge for me between what I was doing when I started my career working at KPMG, wherever it was, mm -hmm. if I needed something done, 90% of the time, I could probably get it done on my own. In the restaurant world, you have to rely on so many things going right, so many people showing up, doing their job the right way, just to get the machine up and running every day. It is, it's scary to wake up every day saying, hey, are these people going to show up? Is the truck going to arrive with the product? Is the internet going to work so we can process credit cards? Are the lights going to There's just so many different variables mm -hmm. that go into it, which I don't know necessarily everybody truly understands. Right. I mean, not that they should, yeah. unless you're doing it, but there's a lot that certainly has to happen correctly in order to get everything functioning. Was there a time, and every entrepreneur right, or business owner I think has that, a time in their sort of their journey, but was there a time when you sat down and you're like, did I do the right thing? Like things were not going your way or maybe there were significant challenges and you're like, man, is this just not uh, every day? <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, no, no, no. all kidding aside, there yeah. aren't many days that I don't get in my car towards the end of the day and I catch a whiff of my shirt and I smell the fajitas and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but no, listen, there is 
there is huge satisfaction in building something. I didn't do this just to kind of open one store and see how it goes. We knew going in, I knew going in that we wanted to build, you know, an organization and, and expand and grow. Mm-hmm. And we've certainly been able to do that. But getting back to your question, there are, yes, there are, I'm always questioning myself, always. But I think that's important. I think it keeps you motivated. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenges don't end. Um, I think one of our biggest challenges, one of my biggest disappointments was when we closed my second store that we ever opened in West Kendall. Mm-hmm. Our lease was up this past July, a year ago. Right. And number of factors, landlord wanted to increase rents to a number that was completely untenable and had no comp in the market, which was frustrating considering I would think how good of a tenant we had been for them over mm. the course of 10 years. We had a lot of success there for eight years leading up to COVID. And then COVID... That store, more than any, kind of just decimated things. Out in West Kendall, we could not find good staffing. The sales hadn't recovered. And I struggled with this decision for a really long time. It killed my heart because yeah. of all the, the sweat and the time and the effort and the investment and everything that we had put into it to just, from one day to the next, we closed the doors. And that's it. And you're gone. And now, where do you go from here? But I knew in my head, it was the right decision to do. And so, but reconciling those two things took a long time to really understand. Sometimes the right decision for the organization is the hardest decision. Right. No question. You know, I think it's a common struggle too, especially for organizations that have either multiple locations or multiple divisions, because oftentimes when they're all doing well, you know, there's a tendency to ignore the one that's not doing so well because the others are are carrying it or keeping it afloat, but one bad location can bring all the locations down. I think that's spot on. Hurt the brand. And I struggle with that today on my day-to-day. You know, for example, I've got a few stores that are doing really well. We have a brand new store that just opened a few months ago that has been great since we opened, but I've got a couple that are struggling that need a little more love and attention. But in order for me to get to those locations to give them the attention that they need at the expense of some of the ones that may be doing better. It's it's a constant juggle yeah. act in terms of where's my time best right. spent. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's such a common problem. Do I focus on my strengths or do I try to improve on my weaknesses? And I think some parents even do it with their kids. I'm going to focus on the good kid and not really give any energy. I'm, just, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but I think uh, a little insight with, into the Bast house. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. they're all right. stars in my house. Uh-huh. Yeah, I imagine that's a really difficult struggle. It is. It for, is. You know that you're really never out of that one, right? Because there's always going to be one store that's doing the worst. Correct. Right. In theory. Yeah, they're not all going to be doing the same. Right. Right. Uh, just to give you uh, more inside the rope example, we do our manager meetings. My managers have their meetings every week. And one of the things I talk about are who's the bottom 10% of the staff, the labor pool. And are we looking to replace them? And if so, how are we going to do that? But it applies to the big picture level too, in terms sure. of the restaurants, you know, which one is struggling the most or which one needs the most attention. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be able to be there to give it, but I would hope by now I've learned enough and been able to figure out how to delegate to the people that need to be the ones focusing on that location or whatever the issues are to have more of a positive outcome. So the flip side to the question of being in a spot where you know, you're super challenged and questioning whatever you're doing, is there ever a point where you could sit back and pat yourself on the back and say, man, I did it. Not to the point where you're done, you're satisfied, like I'm finished, but boy, I I really, I'm doing, this this is good. Those moments should be more frequent for me, but they are few and far between. Yeah. 
I'm a little bit of a control freak, like to micromanage. Sure. And I'm always going to find something that's not okay. But I will tell you, I've become, I guess, a Jewish grandma to a large extent, just making people happy what we're feeding them. And there are certainly times when I'm in the stores and you look around and you're like, this is working. This is great. Like, like I built this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are also, we have large caterings and we do big events and our sponsorships. And it is very satisfying when someone comes back and says, that was incredible. It was great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that positive reinforcement, not just for me, but for the staff is what keeps us going as well. And so, yes, there are plenty of, I shouldn't say plenty, but there are times where <laughs> it is nice to sit back and say, look at this, yeah. but never be satisfied because once you are, then it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's t- taken me a long time and I'm probably where you are. You got to celebrate the wins where they occur, Absolutely. but that doesn't mean that you're satisfied and that you're going to stop pushing and working hard, right? Never. Just to another example, I mean, opening a restaurant, it's a big endeavor. Yeah. The construction issues these days just takes longer and longer and longer. And so once you get to that point where we're ready to open the doors and open to the community, it's a huge accomplishment. It feels great. However, you're not resting. Now it's time to work. Let's go to work. The better you do, the harder you have to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. And so now doors are open, brand new staff, like, Let's go, guys. It's time to go. Right. And you can't sit back and celebrate for too long. So we have six locations. Without giving away the farm here and giving away your strategy, like where do we go from here? And what are some of the sort of high-level plans for the future? Do you have more locations you're picking out? We're always looking. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest challenge right now, certainly in Miami, which is my territory, Mm -hmm. is finding a new location that makes sense. I mean, that's always the challenge, but certainly today, the investment that it takes to open a Lime doesn't make too much sense to do it for a brand new spot that has never had a restaurant in it before. So like a lot of restaurant concepts, we're looking for second generation opportunities where there is some infrastructure already in place Mm -hmm. by way of equipment and walls and wiring and lighting and plumbing and all that stuff. So we're looking and there are a couple kind of pods or locations in Miami, which makes sense. Outside of that, my dream when I decided to do this was always open up a nice base of stores here Mm -hmm. and then bring the concept to Chicago, which is where I'm from. And, you know, we spend nine months of the year here, three months of the year there. I have since learned that that's a major challenge. Yeah. Um, it's hard enough taking care of the ones that are in your own backyard. How do you do it when you're away? But certainly plenty of people have been able to do that before. And so we may continue to explore that. Uh, nothing is on the table right now, but we're, you know, it could be an option. Well, there's definitely five votes, all of which are located in my household <laughs> that would say Coconut Grove. And you know, we've been peppering Grant for years to open a Coconut Grove location, but I know there's significant challenges with that. So you never know. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Go to work, find a location for us, and we'll we'll take a look. Done. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Done. This is fun, Grant. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share it, leave a review. Subscribing to the show and leaving reviews helps others find the show, and it helps us grow and dedicate more energy and time to producing better content for you and having great guests like Grant Gusson on. And this was great, we'll guys. See Thank you, next you very time. much. Go eat at Lime. It's delicious. Yes. Thank yes. you, Grant. Thank you, Nelson. Thank you, Grant. Thank, Grant, you, Nelson. Brett. Thank you, guys. Jeffrey, have a nice day. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> For more information on this show and other resources, visit fastamron.com 
and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Fast Amron.